God is great. God is good. Let us thank him for our food. By his hands we are fed. Give us, Lord, our daily bread. Maybe that's the first prayer that you were taught. I was taught that. That was a blessing that we were to say before every meal. And, uh, And it was good for uh, that time in my life when I was just starting to talk. Uh, but it becomes a problem, I think, if, if those are the type of prayers that constitute most of our prayer life. Uh, you, we're supposed to grow beyond that, you see. Uh, the problem, I think, with repetition, with memorized prayers, is we learn to say them without really thinking about them or being engaged in them. We don't understand that it's a communication we're having between us and God. And we don't understand that it's an interactive experience. We, we hear from God as well as we share with him. We don't re- realize that especially when things get tough, prayer is our greatest weapon. I think it is important for us to move beyond that starting point of Uh, repetitious, memorized prayers. See, the theology in this prayer is great. God is great. And God is good. And we need to thank him for our food, for what he provides for us physically and spiritually. But we so often say that prayer without really thinking about what it means. We need to wrestle with this, especially in the times we live in. We are in a spiritual battle. And For that battle, we need the best weapons we can have. We need the most up-to-date weapons we can have. We need the most advanced weapons we could have. You would not go into an aerial dogfight flying a World War I-era airplane against a supersonic jet. (laughs) You would lose quickly. You would not take a muzzleloader into battle with someone equipped with an automatic weapon like today's military have. You need to grow beyond that. And I think that's Paul's point in 2 Thessalonians 3, 1 through 5. He prays for the Thessalonian Christians and asks them to pray for him. He's teaching some concepts. He's teaching some prayer requests to pray in times of trouble. He's teaching them how to pray, particularly in trouble. Now, I don't have time to teach you everything about how to pray today, but I do want us to focus in on the things we should ask God for in our prayer lives when we're in in difficult times. It is a challenge as we live in a culture that's increasingly hostile to Christianity. It's a challenge to be strong. It's a challenge to be faithful. But God, I believe, wants us to begin that battle, to continue that battle by being faithful in prayer. So, let's look at it together. Five prayer requests in times of trouble. First, the first thing he says to pray for is effective communication. I could also say to pray for effective evangelism. To pray for effective communication of the gospel around you. Listen, all of us have people in our lives that have used used their freedom not to become Christians yet. They've used their freedom... And not to make a decision for Christ yet. Maybe it's somebody in your family. Maybe it's somebody in your workplace. Maybe it's somebody in your neighborhood. Uh, One of the best things you can do is to pray for that person consistently, fervently, 
that they might know the Lord. We also are to pray for a worldwide evangelism. That's why we support missionaries here uh, in other countries. Uh, friends, it's not enough just to, I think, send them our money. We need to be engaged in prayerfully uh, supporting, undergirding those efforts, praying for folks to hear the message, praying for folks to repent and confess, praying for folks to, to understand life best lived is a life lived for God. So uh, this prayer is a, for evangelism needs to be a part of what we're doing. Verse 1 says, As for other matters, brothers and sisters, pray for us that the message of the Lord may be spread rapidly, that may spread rapidly and be honored, just as it was with you. Where uh, did Paul get that from? You remember, if you look in Acts chapter 17, verses 5 through 9, that Paul and Silas started the church in Thessalonica by going to the synagogue to preach about Jesus. But then they roused up some folks who were threatened, uh, some Jewish folks who whose way of life, who their, their claim of religious superiority in the area was threatened. And, and so they gathered up a mob and they ran Paul and Silas out of town. They tried to keep them from spreading the message there in Thessalonica. So Paul says, pray for this effective evangelism. Pray for us to be effective. Pray for yourselves to do the right thing to those people around you that they might be one for Christ. I wonder today... How much do we care about the salvation of others? See, I, I think we care at some level, but we have to care deeply. A college group was doing mission work in a foreign city. They one day went to the slums in that city, and one of the students, seeing a little girl playing in the dirt, asked their leader, why doesn't her mother clean her up? This girl was just covered head to toe in dirt. Madame replied, that girl's mother probably loves her, but she doesn't hate dirt. You hate dirt, but you don't love her enough to go down there and clean her up. Until hate for dirt and love for that child are in the same person, that little girl is likely to remain as she is. It's profound. Just substitute sin for dirt. Until hate for sin... And love for that child are in the same person. That little girl is likely to remain as she is. Until hate for what sin does to a person. And love for that person. That gives me a sense of urgency. For those who are bereft. Those who are greatly harmed and challenged by the sin in their lives, to pray for them, to pray for myself or to pray for others to reach them with the gospel. We pray for effective communication. Secondly, in times of trouble, we're to pray for speedy deliverance. Speedy deliverance. This is in verse 2. And pray that we may be delivered from wicked and evil people, for not everyone has faith. Paul knew this. They Thessalonians knew this. Wicked people, people that were enemies against the gospel, had run Paul and Silas out of town. Wickedness and evil comes in all kinds. Cash checker charged the cashier asked after folding items for a woman that she wished to purchase and placed in the bag. Placed them in the bag as she fumbled for a wallet. The cashier noticed a remote control for a television set in her purse. So he asked with a wry grin, "Do you always carry your TV remote?" 
No, she replied, but my, my husband refused to come shopping with me. So I figured this was the most legal evil thing I could do to get back at him. In the first service, Beth was here, my wife, I said, don't get any ideas. That's not really evil, but I'll tell you this, if you choose to live for Christ, it will cause you trouble. It will cause you trouble at work, maybe even cause you to lose your job. It will cause you trouble in the form of people calling you names or saying bad things about you. It may cause you distance in a relationship with somebody in your family or with somebody who was your friend. It is important for us to pray for that deliverance and that protection. It's important for us, even as we boldly live out our faith, to pray that we might be protected, that we might be delivered from that persecution. 2003, a young lady ran for Miss America. She was in that pageant, having won Miss Illinois. Her name is Erica Harold, University of Illinois graduate. Went on to Harvard Law School. Erica Harold uh, ran on a platform of sexual abstinence. That is, she advocated, because of her strong Christian faith, she advocated that uh, men and women wait until they were married to be sexually related or sexually involved. And she was not ashamed, even though it caused her uh, great consternation with the people she interviewed with. In fact, after one interview where she strongly suggested and said that she believed in Jesus and lived her life to please him, uh, one lady said to her, if you keep saying things like that, answering questions like that, you, you will never be Miss America. She said, I don't care because these people are not my ultimate judge. Well, you know, she actually won Miss America. And she went to different schools to make uh, public appearances, even though adults seem to, to react against her Christian faith, many of them, the young people loved her. They loved that she was not afraid to say what she truly believed. And she went to one public high school, and in this public high school, uh, she was to close her program by singing after she gave a, a talk. And as she wound up the talk, she asked the group, would you like to hear me sing the operatic aria that I sang in the competition, or would you like me to sing Amazing Grace? And this is a public high school. And the group overwhelmingly said, by show of applause, they wanted her to sing Amazing Grace. She sang Amazing Grace. As she finished, the whole group rose and gave her a standing ovation. She was delivered by God. She was taken care of by God despite living out front for her faith. So it is that we should pray for that same kind of boldness, that same kind of deliverance, that same kind of protection from God, both for ourselves and those around us. The third thing to request from God in your prayers when you're in times of trouble is growing confidence growing confidence. See how this is all related? Verse three, verses 3 and 4 say, but the Lord is faithful and he will strengthen you and protect you from the evil one. Where does that strength to be different come from? Where does that strength uh, to boldly live in a different way come from? It comes from the Lord. The Lord is faithful and he will protect you 
the Bible tells us that greater is he who is in us than greater than he that is he who is in the world. <clears throat> that is greater than the enemy. When we have confidence in the Lord that you are doing and will continue to do the things we command, we have growing confidence in you. <clears throat> that also works in a person. As you learn to most want to please God, as you learn to love God first, as you learn to love others first, then you change. <laughs> There's a growing confidence. As you see over time, God continue to show up. God continue to not give you more than you can bear. God to continue to answer your prayers and to grow you, your trust in him grows. That's the process God wants in us. And it's what I say to you would be hard to build up in a life if all of our prayers are just memorized repetition. It is by daily living, daily struggle, a daily trusting in God, we develop that kind of confidence. We develop that kind of strength. Josiah Perkins was celebrating his 100th birthday. When a reporter called and interviewed him, do you think you'll live another 100 years, the reporter asked. Don't see why I shouldn't, Josiah replied. I'm a heap stronger than I was 100 years ago today. Now, he's not talking about physical strength. And I don't think he'd live 100, other, 100 years. You know, I'm, I'm just wanting to make it about 80, and then I'm ready to check out. <laughs> He's talking about spiritual strength. He's talking about because he has developed and worked on his relationship with the Lord, that he is stronger in what really matters, a lot stronger than he was when he was born. So it is that as you learn to pray and to, to grow in your relationship with God, you too can spiritually grow in what really matters. Your confidence will grow in the way that you live your life, in the way that you live and love and laugh in your life. Fourthly, we request unquenchable love. Unquenchable love. This is in verse 5. May the Lord direct your hearts into God's love and Christ's perseverance. Direct your hearts into God's love. Now, Certainly we need God's love in times of trouble, but also I think he's talking about something else. I think he's saying, he's directly coming against what is our tendency. Our tendency is when we're in a time of trouble is to dwell on whatever's going on with us. If you're sick, your tendency is to, to just, you can't almost think about anything else but, but how sick you are. <laughs> My dad used to say to us, if all you do is think about how sick you are, you're probably going to be sicker. But instead, I think he's saying, think about instead your love for God. Think about your love for others. Don't just dwell in that place of trouble, of trial. You have trouble financially. You have trouble with a relationship. It's very tempting to be consumed by that trouble. But instead, I think he's saying understand how much I love you. God saying that. How much God, I, God, love you. Understand how much you going to love others will pull you out of that funk. So not only we receive that love from God, we also then, uh, as we pray, are directed to, to express that love to others. That kind of unquenchable love keeps us from dwelling in those dark places, keeps us from dwelling in those 
depressed places. Fifth, we're to request in our prayers cheerful perseverance. Cheerful perseverance. Now, those two might not seem like they go together. Let's look at it. May the Lord direct your hearts, this again, verse 5, into God's love and Christ's perseverance. How did Christ persevere? First Peter chapter 2 tells us, <clears throat> we, when they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. That is, uh, God, Jesus was mostly concerned about pleasing God. He was mostly concerned about staying faithful to God. He was mostly concerned about being true to his calling. So he persevered. He hung in there. He, he stayed tough. But not only that, his attitude was different than often ours is when we persevere. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2 is a favorite verse of mine. It says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For the joy set before him. That is, he approached it not just with great determination. He approached it not just determined to hold on. He approached it with joy. Kind of sounds like the first chapter of James when it says, consider it joy, my brothers, when you face trials and troubles of many kinds. Not only are we to persevere, we're to persevere cheerfully. How do you do that? You persevere cheerfully because you understand first that you're walking in the footsteps, you're, you're sharing in Christ's sufferings for his sake, which also means, like I told you last week, chapter 2, that you'll share in his glory as well. But even more, we're thinking about how ultimately our reward will be heaven. Ultimate reward will be being with other folks of like belief, of like faith in all of eternity. That's why we can consider, that's why we can be perseverant, that's why we can be cheerful, even in the face of great pain, of great suffering, of great even death. Simplify is the motto of the Marine Corps, always faithful. <clears throat> that should be our motto as Christians as well. Simplify, always faithful to the Lord, always faithful to our calling, always faithful to our family, always faithful to our church. Always faithful to Jesus. When you know where you're going, you can be always faithful, even to the very end, no matter what comes. Hugh Latimer was a Protestant preacher in England in the 1500s. When Queen Mary, who was known as Bloody Mary, came to the throne, she attempted to return England to the Catholic Church. Latimer protested. He was thrown into jail along with his friend, Nicholas Ridley. <clears throat> they had a trial, and they were convicted of heresy. At that conviction, they were sentenced to death uh, to be burned at the stake. I can't think of a much worse way, a much worse fate to fall. This sentence was carried out on October 16, 1555. As they approached the stake, Ridley understandably uh, drew back in fear. But Latimer comforted his friends with words that have echoed even until this day, words that were testified to by witnesses there and written down and shared with Christians for generations. Be of good cheer, Master Ridley, and play the man. 
For we shall this day light, light such a candle in England as I trust to God's, by God's grace shall never be put out. And so they did light a candle for God by their fiery ordeal. That is cheerful perseverance. That is simplify. That's something to pray for. That will always be faithful, no matter what's going on around us, no matter what is going on and happening to us, we'll always be faithful. Let me close with two points of application. The first is this. What happens to you is not as important as what happens in you. What happens to you is not as important as what happens in you. Listen, you cannot protect yourself from everything bad that's going to happen in life. No matter how many plans you make, no matter how many insurance policies you have, uh, no matter how many precautions you have set in place, it's never going to happen. Bad things happen to Christians. In fact, if you're faithful to God, you're going to attract some persecution. You're going to attract some negative situations. But I will say to you, those things are not as important as what happens in you. I talk about the serenity prayer a lot with folks. You know, you can't control everything that happens to you. Be serene about those things that you can't do anything about. But trust God in those things you can. Allow God to give you the courage to change the things that you can. And then ask him for the wisdom to know the difference. Here, in this case, you think about God wants all of our life, the joys and the challenges, the good things and the bad. He wants in all of us for us to grow up into maturity. He wants for all of us to not be the same person spiritually that we were a year ago as we are today. He wants us to continually be growing more like him. And so those things that happen to us can change us to be more like him or they can push us away from him. That's what we pray for, for new life to result, for us to be better than we were before. In 1988, massive forest fires spread through many acres in Yellowstone National Park. Y'all, if you were alive then, you might remember that. It's particularly dry that year. Uh, and it was the National Forest Service policy to let fires, as long as human life and human dwellings weren't threatened, to let the forest fires burn themselves out. Well, this fire just keep, kept going and going. Many, many acres burned black to the ground. And the experts thought it would be decades before Yellowstone recovered. But you know, in eight years' time, you could hardly tell the fires had grown. You see, the way nature works is that destruction, that, that fire, uh, creates fuel. And if there's adequate rain and um, the adequate uh, rain and, and moisture and, and conditions, then it can grow back. And within 15 years' time, it was more beautiful than it was before the fires. What a great metaphor. For the Christian life, trials and troubles, we can feel like we're burned all the way to the ground. But, but as we trust God, as we grow and let God transform us, and then we can be 
more beautiful, better than we were before. What happens to you is not as important as what happens in you. And secondly, what happens to you is not as important as what happens through you. What happens through you. You see, God wants each one of us to be a witness for him. And particularly when we're going through tough times and people around us see us respond not with despair, not with desperation, as people see us prayerfully communicate with God, as they see us, not, they can't see our prayers, but they see the results of those prayers, how they change us, how they make us cheerful, even in the midst of great struggle, how they make us uh, grateful and joyful, and then they are affected. They are changed by that. Each one of you have a great, a great possibility uh, to be a bigger influence than I ever could be because those people might not ever come here. Edgar Guest wrote it this way, I'd rather see a sermon than hear one any day. I'd rather one should walk with me than merely tell the way. The eyes a better pupil and more willing than an ear. Fine counsel is confusing, but examples always clear. And the best of all the preachers are the men who live their creeds. For us to see good put in action is what everybody needs. If you pray like a baby, you'll stay a baby. And your influence will be small. But if you learn to pray like a young person, a teenager, and then adult. As you learn to share your life with God and he to share his counsel with you, then it changes a person from the inside out and that person has a great influence on many around. That's what's possible for us. Now, I don't preach this to you uh, to bring condemnation. I don't preach it to you to bring shame. But I do bring it to challenge you. We all, we all need to pray unceasingly. We need to pray continuously, as the Scripture teaches us. And we need to grow in that prayer life. Fathers, we think about today the greatest weapon you're, you're teaching on prayer, that we can be in constant communication with you. I pray that you have challenged us. I pray this day, Lord, uh, that we would not wallow in shame or condemnation. In fact, we wouldn't even feel those things, but we would be determined to change. Help us to dedicate ourselves to sharing our life with you. Help us to communicate with you. Help us to listen to you. Help us to tell you what's going on with us. And especially help us to come to you in times of trouble that you might help us through. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This ministry.